unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Nathan, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And we were talking a little bit before the show about last week's episode. And I think that oftentimes there is the temptation to be unethical in copywriting. And that might or might not be a segue into what we're going to be talking about this week. Well, let's see if it is. You know, the famous investor Warren Buffett is famous for saying that when it comes to investing, he has two rules. One, never lose money. Two, see rule number one. And to be sure, Warren Buffett hasn't always been able to follow these rules um, because he's an investor, can't control everything. For example, after 9-11, his insurance company, General Re, lost $2.4 billion. But even so, his overall company, which included a lot of other holdings, reported a profit for 2001, that year that 9-11 happened, although it was much smaller than previous years. Now, copywriting has rules, too, and we're going to focus on three of them today. They are not as clear-cut as Warren Buffett's rules, but they're just as important. And unlike Warren Buffett's rules for investing, these three copywriting rules are all tempting to break. Everyone should know what these rules are and how to avoid temptation. And everyone should also know this, that copy is powerful and you're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Now, let's talk about these three rules that are so tempting to break. You might think you already know about these rules, and in fact, you really might. But here's a question. Every time you write copy, you will feel the pull of temptation to bend or break at least one of them. and. I'll say this now, I'll say it again, don't give in to that temptation. This is not for the sake of being a good person or sleeping better at night or winning a trophy for your um, self-restraint. Even though following these rules will help you with those things, this is for maximizing your own sales and for staying out of trouble with your customers and the regulators, especially rule number two. When you hear each rule, hang in there for a few minutes after you hear the rule and see if you haven't been swayed by the temptations I bring up now and again, maybe even without realizing it, because temptation is a sneaky rascal. It can sneak up on you and take over your mind without you even realizing it. Okay, here we go. Here's the first rule you're tempted to break don't try to sell someone something they don't want. 
Now, to some people, it's like, oh, I thought that's what advertising was. For other people, it's like, of course. But let's look at this a little bit. This rule is important because sooner or later, nothing good comes from selling someone something they don't want in the first place. Yeah, it's possible to do it. People have done it, but it can come back and bite you in the butt, which is not a pleasant experience. So let's look at this temptation and how it shows up in real life for copywriters and marketers. Here's the first one. The first temptation to break this rule is when you're so enthusiastic about your product or you have fallen so in love with it that you forget who your target market is and who your target market isn't. It's hard to do a good job selling a product if you don't really believe in it. And sometimes you have to work yourself up to some level of enthusiasm. But here's the problem. And this is just an occupational hazard. In the process of getting enthusiastic, your enthusiasm can take over. And that's good to a point. Until it tempts you to go outside your target market and jump to the conclusion Maybe you've heard this, heard other people say this. Maybe you've said it yourself. This product is so good, everyone should have it. And, you know, maybe everyone should, but you can lose a ton of money buying traffic for people who aren't leaning toward getting this kind of product in the first place. Yesterday, I found out from a copy critique client that he had just cleared his first million dollars in his new keto business. Thanks, he said, in large part, to help I'd given him on three sales letters. What I told him helped him improve his conversions dramatically. But listen to this and listen carefully. If he hadn't targeted his traffic very carefully before they got to the sales letter we worked on, he would have had so much junk traffic that he paid for that he never would have made any money in the first place. So although you could make a hypothetical case that a keto diet is for everyone, It's not smart business to try to sell everyone. Tell the people who are already interested or very close to becoming interested. Here's another temptation. Your creativity takes over the hard-won lessons that have been burned into your marketing mind. And we hope as a loyal listener, the copywriting podcast, you have hard-won lessons, marketing lessons burned into your mind. Um, So this is related to the temptation I just talked about, but it's a little different. You know, as a marketer, your job is to use your imagination to create images, language, and ideas to entice people to buy things or to take other actions. Again, you run into trouble when you go overboard with this. I'll give you an example. Let's say you sell mousetraps, and you really have developed a better mousetrap. Okay, so far so good. And then you realize you could also catch lemmings with your mousetraps. Maybe you could, but that's not a good advertising strategy, not a good copywriting strategy. If you are running your ads in the South and the Southwest of the US and you haven't considered that you only find lemmings in cold Northern climates. And while most people already know what a mousetrap is, the word lemming trap is not going to register as fast. So don't let your creativity mousetrap your common sense, and your marketing focus. It's a temptation you need to learn to avoid. Nathan, I know that when I said creativity, I could hear your ears perk up all the way, thousand miles away. What what are your thoughts about this one? Uh, I think that we've done 
quite a few episodes because creativity does have its place in copywriting. It definitely has its place in marketing. I've realized working with a lot of the companies that I've worked with, I'm pretty much as a copywriter and as a marketing consultant, I'm pretty much the only person that's allowed creativity in a lot of the the bigger businesses that I've worked with. Um, But you have to know when and where to use creativity. And as writers that get into copywriting, I think writers use too much creativity and it, and it backfires on them. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. Here's another temptation about going outside your target market. When you have your early successes with copywriting, you sort of go through a transformation. All of a sudden, you start to feel like you have godlike powers, like normal human stuff doesn't matter. But the reality is you don't. You have powerful human techniques for harnessing naturally occurring human emotions that most people don't have. Here's the problem with starting to feel invincible. You can very easily do stupid things that will come back to bite you in the butt. So stay level-headed and continue your upper upward climb to the stars. So this is something that I run into a lot especially with newbie entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs that had a success and now they want to follow it up with something is you were talking about passion. They're super passionate about, Oh, I want to sell this. And I, one of the first questions that I always ask is, okay, but do people want to buy it? A lot of people get into business because they have this brilliant idea and they think that advertising is a way to convince people to buy something. And I don't think of advertising as that. I think of advertising as a way to convince people who already want to buy something to buy it from you. Yeah. I mean, that's a really important distinction. And I think anyone who is really experienced and maybe battle-hardened and maybe has skinned their knees a few times in direct response knows that. But there is certainly a myth out there that a lot of other marketers, not like narrow focused discipline, direct marketers so much, but other ones uh, have that, that goes exactly like what you had. Oh, well just create a bunch of shit and, and, and sell it to people don't really want it because we're so good at marketing. Boy, that's a, a bad way to go. And it usually doesn't work. The second rule you're, Tempted to break is this rule. Don't make insanity-level claims. See, this is very tempting. And what's tricky is it's good to make insanity-level claims when you're writing your first draft. It's, it's good to, to just take off the governor, open up the engine, really go top speed, t- totally insane stuff when you're first writing. The problem is, you can't stick with that. And the reason it's better to do that than to write some mousy little claim, some timid little claim in the beginning, and then try and crank it up, that's hard. It's much easier to take an insane level claim and reel it in a little bit. The problem comes when you like the outrageous claim so much that you decide not to dial it back. You don't think about it. You don't realize this is going to get me in trouble or this is going to cause a lot of refunds. I can't really deliver on this, but man, this will sell. Or otherwise, you make an outrageous claim and you forget to dial it back. 
And this is where you run into problems with government regulators and or angry or disappointed customers or both. So make sure your product can deliver on what you promised. Now, here are some of those temptations to break this rule. Temptation number one happens when you're too focused on the product and not focused enough on the prospect. And this happens usually for a couple of reasons. One, you spent so much time and energy focusing on the product and you haven't taken the time or made the effort to develop real empathy for your customer. It's an old saying, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And people won't use ESP to figure out that you care. It needs to show up in what you say in your copy. And sometimes that comes from a lot of deep research into your market. Some cases, knowing them for years. In some cases, going out, talking to people, meeting them, talking to them on the phone, interacting with them. It's better you know your market, and the better you know it, the better you'll be able to make claims that they're inclined to believe and that you can deliver on. So temptation number two is you're afraid your offer isn't good enough, so you feel like you have to promise, have to overpromise in order to make the sale. And there are a couple possibilities here. One is your offer really isn't good enough. So the solution is make it a better offer so you don't have to overhype. Or if you're a copywriter, just don't take the job. There's no way you can do that. Or if your offer is good enough, then you need to do more work to find the benefits and you need to come up with a better hook. Okay, the third reason to break the rule of don't make insanity level claims is greed or desperation or impatience, not scaling slowly enough. And greed and impatience are really two versions of the same thing. The bottom line is 99 out of 100 times, whenever you're trying to get a result too quickly, it backfires, especially if you skip steps. Like, for example, the step of taking the time to present an honest, appealing claim and scaling no faster than you have the data and the infrastructure and the hands on deck to scale the right way. Now, of course, you can shortcut it all by making an untrue claim that will choose sales and get you to sales goal much faster, but don't do it because you're building that kind of house on a foundation of quicksand. And anything you want to say about insanity level claims other than they're insane? <laughs> <laughs> I think the the one thing that you brought up that I, that really hit home for me was it reminded me of that old saying, write drunk and edit sober. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first drafts, it's okay to get as bombastic as you want to, but definitely go back and, and we just did the episode last week about uh, ethics and copywriting. You definitely want to make sure that you're not you're not going to get any of the alphabet agencies after you, or you're not going to get hit with a bunch of chargebacks and refund requests. I mean, these are things that uh, the greed aspect of, of writing a good sales piece can definitely blind you. But there have been even some of my favorite copywriters have ended up going to prison for some of these things. So yep. to keep uh, cognizant of. Mine too. Thank you. Yeah, good point. Okay, let's talk about the third rule you're tempted to break. And we're sort of getting out of the legal and ethical realm here and into the effectiveness realm and the being considerate to your customers realm. Hey, let me ask you a question. 
Does it take you too long to write your copy? And if it does, have you ever wished you had a proven system to write it faster? Well, if that describes you, then you'll want to know about high-speed copywriting. This is a home study program that has helped a lot of people write profitable sales letters in as little as five hours. No, it's not a bunch of shortcut tricks that leave you with cookie-cutter sales letters that people can ignore. It's about writing full-fledged, memorable, response-getting sales letters much faster than it usually takes. It's tested and proven, too. High-speed copywriting will ease you through putting together an original, powerful sales letter and putting it together in record time. You can find out more at highspeedcopywriting.com. By the way, this is one of the very few programs that Bond and Kevin Halbert have given their Halbert seal of approval to. So check it out today, highspeedcopywriting.com. Thank you. And now back to our show. The third rule you need to follow is present your clothes proactively, confidently, and comprehensively. Proactively, confidently, and comprehensively. It's so important to have a close that is clear, has energy, is thorough, and yet is concise. People want to know what they're going to get and how they get it. They want you, as the person selling it, to be confident and clear-headed in how you explain these things. So here are some temptations to break the rule. Present your clothes proactively, confidently, and comprehensively. Okay, this is real world stuff. Uh, the first temptation is you're so tired from writing the sales letter that you're out of steam when it comes time to write the close. That, that can happen, and there are a couple ways to avoid this. The first one is more likely to work. It's write your close before you write the rest of the copy. And this next one, and I know, I wish you luck if you go this route, is build in enough time so you can take a rest before you come back to your close. Yeah, well, usually the last minute is the only way things get done, so that second one may not work. Just depends on what your work habits are and how much time ahead you can plan. I find sometimes creating false deadlines a few days ahead of time and convincing myself that they're real helps me with that one. Temptation number two is, now we're going to get all mushy and squishy. You have a deep-seated fear of rejection. You don't want to come across as salesy. And here's an example. Um, uh, an email provider sent me an email with this subject line saying, how not to seem pushy. People are afraid of seeming pushy because they think they'll get rejected or other people won't like them. So um, this, this fear, this temptation, it taps right into this fear people have. Now, here's the good news. If you've done a good job with the rest of your copy, you don't need to be pushy in your clothes. You don't. But more important, you do need to be assertive enough and thorough enough so that a person who's genuinely interested in what you have will get a clear picture of what they get and what the benefits are and some encouragement to go ahead and buy. All right, I want to put it this way. It's kind of selfish and short-sighted to think, well, shit, I've done such a good job with the copy, I don't have to spell it out for them. Either they want it or they don't. Seems like common sense, but that's actually selfish and short-sighted because you don't have to do that as long as you don't care if they buy from you or not. So don't give in to this temptation. The reality is 
when they're reading it, you're taking them on a ride through the imagined new experience of having your product. They don't remember all the details. They don't remember all the benefits. They may not even remember the name of the product or the name of your company. So the better job you're doing, the more they're just, you know, champing at the bit to get the product. So, you know, that, that counters the second temptation. Third temptation is that you don't know how to write a good close, so you just don't bother. And this is a reasonable excuse. You don't know how to do it. And if you don't know, you don't know. But there's no reasonable excuse for not finding out, especially when you can find out for free right here on, on the Copywriters Podcast website. We have a solution for that. We have an episode called Secrets of the Close. You can just go up to the hamburger menu on the left side, click on it, podcasts, and then type in Secrets of the Close and uh, go to that episode and we'll spell it out for you what you need to do to put together a good, proactive, comprehensive, confident close. Okay? So before I wrap up, any thoughts, questions, comments? Yeah. Um, anything? So on closing, uh, I'm going to kind of re-emphasize some of the stuff that you said. Uh, number one, a lot of times people get to the close and they start using wiggle words. They say, if you think this might be something that you're interested in, or we're pretty confident that this might work for you, losing that confidence at the end of your sales letter, really what, what your prospect is buying from you is hope and confidence. And if you don't have that confidence and it translates in your, in your messaging that you don't have the confidence, they're not going to have the confidence and they're not going to want to buy. Um, and then the, the last thing that I wanted to add to that is what I like to do when I finally get to my offer is I want to paint two things for them. I don't want them to walk into a dark room. I want to paint, number one, what is the transformation that they're going to get? And number two, how is it? actually delivered? Is it delivered through email? Is it delivered in a mail? Is it a physical product? Is it a digital product? I want to make it to where they can see themselves on the other end. They can see it in their hands, on their, on their Kindle reader, on their screen, and they can see themselves living the new life that they want. So really paint what it is that they're going to get as far as a transformation and what it is that they're going to get as far as a deliverable. And uh, that always makes my closes a lot a lot higher conversion rate. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. I never thought of it doing it that way, but that's exactly right. That's that's what will work, and that's what people want to know. Okay, so let me just review the rules um, that are going to be tempting to break. Don't do it. Um, don't try and sell someone something they don't want. Don't make insanity level claims and present your clothes proactively, confidently and comprehensively. Awesome. David, this was a fantastic episode. If people want more of the Copywriters Podcast, they can always head over to copywriterspodcast.com. I do recommend checking out that Secrets of the Close. That was a good episode as well. All right. See you next week. See you guys next time. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast.
This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.